Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here at our church, and we thank you for joining us each and every week. This week we talk about the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. We also throw in the cost of discipleship. So two teachings from Jesus this week, both that really dovetail into each other. And so uh, I I pray that by kind of combining these two, uh, one from Matthew uh, 7 and one from Luke 14, uh, that we can really look in the mirror and say, all right, who am I in in this parable? Again, it's one of those things that it may be difficult, but it is necessary. So I pray for each of us that we are looking to grow closer to Jesus each and every week. Again, we thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. Well, good morning again. Thank you, Paul, for leading us in worship um, as we uh, come together. Man, it's always uplifting to me. I love singing. So uh, thank you for, for coming and singing this morning. Uh, we continue with the second week of our new series, talking about the parables of Jesus. I hope you were here last week, but if you weren't, uh, we're just kind of going through a lot of the parables of Jesus, talking about uh, really what they do and, and how Jesus used them. A parable is really just a story uh, with, with a, it's kind of illustrating a meaning, a very spiritual meaning. And as we talked last week, sometimes we don't get it. Uh, not because it's too difficult. Uh, a lot of times, the, the reason we don't get it is we're not really staring intently. Do you remember the scripture last week? You have to stare intently at this uh, to understand. Because for a lot of us, our understanding or our mental picture of Jesus might actually be different than what Jesus was really like. Have you ever noticed that before? Well, I think Jesus would do this, and then you read a scripture and you think, oh, okay. And so when Jesus explains the parable of the soils or the sower, uh, he explains why he uses parables, and it, it might catch you a little off guard. We're going to uh, see that right now. Uh, but before that, uh, apparently I put this slide in here. Uh, today we're going to talk about two more. And again, the wise and foolish builder, we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about the cost of discipleship. And so, again, as we study these, this is an invitation for us all to look at ourselves and say, all right, who am I or am I in this parable? Okay, so Jesus explains this in Luke 8, verses 9 and 10. Uh, his disciples ask him what the parable of the sower meant, okay? And, and Jesus says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And so what we see here is Jesus just acknowledging, I'm using this, and as we talked last week, telling stories is a very powerful thing. Images in our mind kind of stick. Now when I think of heaven, because of Scott's talk this morning, I'm thinking of driving a Ferrari on the Golden Streets, right? If we got up here and all we did was give you statistics and facts, you might retain some of those, but if we give you those mental images, those tend to stay with us, right? And so that's why it's good to, as you read the Bible, to bring that to life in your mind. What does it look like to stand on the the shore of the sea? You know, bring those things in. But Jesus says, just because you hear or see as someone's teaching doesn't mean you're actually understanding and seeing the point, right? Jesus dealt with people who just kind of tagged along either to catch him in something Try to, you know, uh, say he is definitely a false teacher 
Now, all these things he's saying are, are untrue, or he just has people who are going along with the crowds, not really interested in learning the depths of what God is trying to relate to them in their lives. And so Jesus says, I, I tell these parables that have these deeper meanings so that some people who are just hanging around, not really caring, they're not really going to get it. And so for each parable, we've got to ask ourselves, do we want to get it? And again, as we come to each one, we ask the question, who am I in this parable? Uh, from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, we have what's known as the wise and the foolish builder. I'm going to read that for you now. Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The wise man built, you know, that's in your head right now, isn't it? One of the basic things we teach our kids, right, is this right here, these few verses, three or four verses. And, and so what Jesus is teaching here is something we already know. He's using something that is perfect for a, uh, a, a coastal town. Can we not say coastal town? Is that right? You know, we are close enough to the, uh, the Gulf, the Bay, whatever your definition of the body of water is out there, that we understand this, don't we? I went to a function last night with a pregnancy resource center where you've got a lot of water out there. You have this man-made, you know, <laughs> beach out front. And I love it. And I'm thinking, Katie and I were talking to each other going in, we, we finally moved to southeast Texas close to, you know, beaches. If you want to call Galveston, I don't know. But, uh, but still, we, we've lived here almost a, a year and a half. We're getting close to that. And we still haven't taken the boys over there. And so as we were going out to this, this very nice place, we thought, man, we ought to bring them out of here and just see some water and hang out on the beach. You know, even the, the, the sand over there looks nice. But we don't look at the sand over there and think, man, I'd like to have a house sitting right there. Anybody do that? Like, I'd love, you know, you want to see water, but you don't want it to be down on the sand right at the water, because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Exactly what is said right here, right? Because when Jesus explains this, in both scenarios, the winds and the waves are coming, right? Jesus didn't say, build your house on a rock and you will avoid all winds and waves. No, he said, the winds and the waves are coming. You better uh, be smart and decide where you want to build your house. We live in an area where just the names of hurricanes are kind of etched in our mind. If I say something like Ike or Harvey, you know what's going on with that, right? You buy a house right now. The question is, did it flood during Harvey? Those things are coming. When uh, uh, I, I served a, a church for just a week, they have a day camp over in New Orleans. And uh, Katrina, obviously, is etched in their minds. Because you go into the sanctuary, and, and what was cool was uh, Morgan Freeman had actually done a thing where he came into the church and, and talked to uh, some of the people there. But as you're in, in the middle of the auditorium, you, you walk over and you see a little plaque 
And you notice it says water line during Katrina. Some people took refuge in the balcony of the church and floated through the church into the kitchen and all this stuff just to avoid this catastrophe. And so when we hear something like this, we know exactly what Jesus is talking about in our minds as it relates to our houses, right? But it's deeper than that, isn't it? Is Jesus just talking about where you build your uh, three-bedroom, two-bath house? Of course not. Jesus, in this parable, is asking you to look at your life and ask the question, what is my foundation I am trying to build on? Because I I think if if we're not paying attention or we really don't want to look deeply into this, we look at this and we say, well, of course, I'm building my foundation on Jesus Christ. I go to church on Sundays. Not Wednesdays most of the time, because I'm busy. But on Sundays, I'm there, right? And and so we think, I'm building my foundation on Jesus. But I think when you look more intently, Jesus is saying, okay, where is really your core? If, if we just looked at your life right now, if somebody outside of you or your family looked at your life, what would they see? Is it a foundation of Jesus or is it a foundation of something else? Because a lot of times, if we're honest, Jesus isn't the foundation. He isn't the main course. Jesus is more like a side dish that we either choose or not choose depending on the day or the mood. How much money I've got in my pocket. And so Jesus asked us, so look, are you the wise man? Are you the foolish man? This this parable goes, uh, just dovetails right into the end of our Revelation study. Because you remember the main things we said about Revelation. Revelation is a story where you find out that there's this cosmic battle. God wins and you have a decision to make, right? Which side am I going to pick? Pick a side. Don't be stupid. Pick God. He's going to win. We know that. And so Jesus says, all right, well, look at your life. Where is your foundation being built? Because we are doing really well about focusing on so many other things. Evan loves playing soccer. He's he's really good at it. Somehow he became good at it by watching YouTube. I don't know how. You can learn a lot on YouTube, but I wouldn't have thought, you know, sport. You know, he's got got that going on. But the truth is, for a lot of us, if we look at our family, so much time Uh, effort, money is spent into a foundation that might be sports. That Jesus is really just kind of hanging on for the ride as we travel to all the games and the practices and all the things that go into that. And we could pick on so many other things that we focus on, couldn't we? We could walk into each other's homes and say, all right, well, what is it that you're watching on TV? Um, My boys... Love to give my dad a hard time because I think you ever had a TV that had burn in on it? You know what that is? You've watched some show so much that it's burned into the screen, like the logo, because it doesn't move. My dad does that with Fox News, and so my boys give him a hard time. Like any time, like it doesn't. He's not even asking for it. They give him a hard time about you're just watching Fox News again, aren't you? But we can be so focused on our news station of choice that all of a sudden, like, the core of who we are becomes the talking points of the news station that we love and that we back. 
And we've got to be against the other one. I'm not just picking on Fox. Notice uh, everyone. That's what we're saying. But what is the core? What is core to you? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Because the way Jesus describes it, if you're not being smart, what you're doing is you're building that, th that three-bedroom, two-bath right out there on the, on the shore of the sand. And you know, I, I said the other day, I said, man, we've lived here almost a year and a half. So two hurricane seasons, all we did was get a tropical storm last year. And in my small group, one of the guys looked at me and he said, it's coming. <laughs> and y'all know that, don't you? Now, I still don't understand it because I have a conversation with Ben and he's like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to live down here in, you know, hurricane alley instead of tornado alley. I'm like, well, I've never experienced a, a tornado you got all of you have a, a hurricane story, right? So you know the winds and the waves are coming. And how are you going to weather that storm? Is it going to be because your life is firmly rooted on the rock that is Jesus Christ? Or is it I put so much faith in what I feel like is something I, I really want to get behind, but it's really just sand, ready to be swept out into shore as soon as those winds and the waves come? And that's what Jesus asked us to, uh, to look at our lives and, and ask that question. In Luke 14, uh, 10 verses there, 25 through 35, this is, if you were summing this up, this is the cost of discipleship. And Jesus says a couple of different things here, but it, uh, in 25, it says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And we read that and we think, my goodness, Jesus, what has gotten into you today? This is obviously pre-coffee, Jesus, in the morning. Uh, we studied on Wednesday night about how to study the Bible. And, and often when you come to a passage like this, we want to be very literal, right? I'm a very literal person. I, I've told you, Evan is the most literal person I've ever met. Uh, but I'm sure he gets it from me. And so when you come to something like this, if, if you read something and it seems to contradict other things in Scripture, you probably ought to look at it again, okay? It's not, Jesus is not being literal. But I need to come in here and say, well, Jesus said to hate. So, sorry. Hate <laughs> what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying your priority. Your priority in life. Again, the building on this foundation has to be about the foundation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of loving God first and foremost, that everything else comes out of that. And so this family aspect here, anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, don't hate them. Jesus is saying, if, if God is not your top priority, you're not actually following him. You're following other things or you're prioritizing other things and you just kind of got God along for the ride and that's not being a disciple. That's not what this is. This is even your own life. And we don't like to hear that because we understand we live in a great country. We live in a great part of this country. I love it. People ask us how, you know, moving down here, how we like it. We said, man, we, you know, of course it was different. But man, we love it. Amazon can get you stuff in like 30 minutes. <laughs> so, as soon as I, as soon as I push uh, uh, buy now or something like that, there's a knock at the door. I mean, it's, it's crazy. 
And we love it. Like we got so many things in life that we love, and those are blessings from God. Don't get me wrong. But if our pursuit in life is of those things, we have missed it. Our foundation is on something else other than God, other than Jesus Christ. And we're not actually a disciple, though we might fool ourselves into thinking that. Because maybe for us, faithfulness or discipleship means coming to church once a week. Jesus says, no, your life needs to be about this. He goes on to say, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Followers, get this, followers follow. Y'all want to write that down? I will say it one more time. <laughs> followers do what? Follow. follow. What does that mean? Jesus is heading out, and I'll say, man, that... That's pretty good, but I think I can make it over here. No. When Jesus describes how to live life, when he says to follow me, that means you go where Jesus went. You do what Jesus did. We use Jesus as our example for how to treat people, how to love people, how to walk with people. That's what you do. Followers follow. And we say, all right, well, am I a follower right now? Am I a disciple? Is Jesus a priority in my life or just the the guy sitting in the sidecar? Am I following? Because if I'm not, don't fool yourself. I'm not a disciple. Now, we understand, and Jesus understands, that our life is not always perfectly following, is it? There are ups and downs. There are days where you look up and you go, my goodness, that week got away from me. I think I did this this week. It felt like it was about a day and a half before Sunday came again. But sometimes it just gets away from you. We understand that. This is not a a call to your perfect or your out type of thing. But followers follow. Followers, when they see that they have done wrong, they have strayed from the path, correct that, right? Pray to God, bring me back. I see where I have stepped away. God, bring me back with your power and your love and your mercy. Because followers follow he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower or a church building. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Won't you do that? Won't you sit down and see, do I have enough funds to complete it? I threw out church building because now you are thinking about it, right? <laughs> For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule, ridicule you saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Boy, I think Jesus plays on a couple of different things because that's the last thing we want is somebody laughing at us, right? Can you imagine driving by a field where the Eagle Community Church of Christ, maybe we even have a sign out there, and there is a foundation and some walls and even a door, but no roof. You know, nothing's complete. There are holes for windows, but, you know, we didn't have the money for that. What would everyone say? First of all, the city would come shut us down. Don't take an official stand. (laughs) But people would drive by and say, my goodness, what were they doing? He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him? With 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms 
of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it, if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus keeps, Jesus keeps giving us stories in this, doesn't he? Like, hey, you don't like this one? Here, try this one on, right? But everything has this common meaning of what kind of person are you? What kind of foundation are you laying in your life? He finishes this, and I think we can all understand the whole, uh, the king coming against you with the army. That scares me to death to think about, you know. Now, can you go against them with 10,000 when they have 20? No, I'm sending a delegation, okay. We need to work this out. I'm not painting my uh, face blue and white and giving a, a, a speech, right. We're sending a delegation because we have weighed the situation, which is what this parable is calling you to do. Look around and weigh the situation. What does it look like right now in your life? And we talked last week about how we can take that look and we can lie to ourselves, can't we? We can say everything's great. Man, I look good in this mirror. And we can lie to ourselves, but the only person we're hurting is us. And then our children and our grandchildren and we wonder why they're not following Jesus and it's because mom and daddy or whoever didn't really took a didn't really take a good look in that mirror and say all right is this me he ends with this idea of the salt we we pray sometimes and I know we can use some churchy words and churchy ideas and I try not to do that all the time because I, I hope the visitors don't don't hear me pray about salt and light and think what is this guy doing but this is the idea that, that salt has a purpose, right? If salt did nothing, I wouldn't put it on my meat I was about to smoke. Would you? I'm glad I went and paid $7 for that bottle of salt that does absolutely nothing. Doesn't change the flavor. Just money down the drain, right? Jesus says salt that's like that, and again, he is calling the church to be salt, to have a purpose, to be different. But if the church is tasteless salt, he says it's what? Worthless. The only use for that is just throw it into the pile because there's no sense in using it because it does nothing. And so we look and we say, all right, is that us? Is that who we are? And I'm going to make the anxiety level of the church go up. <laughs> if you're visiting with us, we don't do this all the time. <laughs> Though if you were here the last couple of weeks, you're thinking, yeah, you're lying. <laughs> but we talked about a couple of things uh, last week. And one thing I, I really wanted to, always when I preach, I get home and I think, man, I should have said that. And this is one of those scriptures that, that we need from Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, it's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says I'm a follower of Jesus makes it to heaven, but the people who decide I'm a follower of Jesus and followers follow. 
So that's exactly what I'm going to do. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not stand in front of people and preach in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? In your name, Lord, we did some fantastic things that people gave us high fives for after the sermon. In my hometown one time, this is not common. Maybe I shouldn't even tell this story. Um, I got done preaching, and, and one of the guys, he was a couple of years older than me in high school. And, uh, well, he's still a couple of years older than me. That didn't change. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I got done, and he gave me an attaboy. Y'all know what that is? You're on a sports team, you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, fun stuff. But sometimes we equivocate the, the high five or the great sermon or the attaboy, hopefully not very often, but we equivocate those as I'm doing a great job. And the person that stands before the Lord Jesus Christ right here says, did I not do all of these great things in your name? And what does Jesus say? He says, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Because we can fool ourselves and we can live all of our life saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and not actually follow Jesus Christ. Following someone to service on Sunday morning doesn't make you a Christian. We use the example sometimes it doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a chicken house makes you a chicken. I come from chicken house country, so that's, uh, that, that hits home a little more. <clears throat> But you have to really look in the mirror. I haven't turned this much, so somebody up there is feeling like I'm, I'm just pointing to you. I'm sorry, Valentina and Mary, I apologize. But that's exactly what this does, is it just asks you, who am I in this parable? Uh, because remember, James says in James 1, 22 through 25, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Because I came, Lord, I came and I listened. And God says, hey, come on in. Glad you did. Glad you heard those sermons. Jesus says, don't do that. Do what it says. You catch that? Maybe we ought to say that out loud. Do what it says. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I don't really like looking in the mirror, to be honest with you. Some of you might, I don't know. Uh, you're on social media nowadays, there's filters for everything. You can change your appearance. I kind of like to uh, get a glancing blow at the mirror, you know, walk by real quick. Out of the corner of my eye, oh yeah, look fine, and move on. But Jesus calls us to look intently into the mirror and say, all right, who am I really? Because again, you can fool yourself, you can deceive yourself all the days of your life, get to heaven and say, God, look at all the things I have done. I've heard so many sermons. I call myself a Christian. I even let people into traffic every once in a while in Houston. That might get you in. I don't know. I, but it says Jesus is going to look at you and he says, and tell them plainly, I never knew you. You weren't a follower of me. 
you had made something in that moment, something else your foundation. You had deceived yourself, and what you had really built your life on was something more akin to the sand on the seashore. And now that's over. So, as we look in the mirror, what do we see? Because the hard work is to look and look intently. We don't always like what we see. We'd rather walk by and do a glancing blow. But we have to be honest with ourselves because that's what Jesus calls us to be. Are you going to be the person who, though hearing, does not actually understand? Though seeing, I don't really get it. Are you going to be the person that does the hard work of looking and saying, where is my life? And maybe praying the difficult prayer of God, change me. I'm ready for it, God. I want to follow you more and more each day. Change me. And that's not an easy thing because Jesus says, you better count the cost. And you counted the cost this morning. We're going to offer a song of invitation. We'd love to pray with you. If you haven't begun that relationship with Jesus Christ, we'd love to. See, I nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> we would love to see you start that walk with him this morning. To be baptized into his name. To be baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And to begin that walk with him. Would you do so as we stand and sit?